Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Getting Hammered. I'm your host, Barry Catherine Ham. I'm here, as always, with my co-host, Vic Mattis of the Free Beacon and the Sub Beacon Podcast. How are you doing, Vic? I am doing just fine, Barry Catherine. I want to know, how are you doing down in the big easy? I'm good. I'm good. You know what I do when I go to New Orleans? Uh, and it's been a while since I've been here. Yes. Uh, but every time I come, I work out as much as possible so that I can be hungrier to so offset. that I can eat more things. I don't even need to offset. I just want to have the capacity to eat as much as possible. So I if I'm burning, I'm eating more. You'll be famished for that, for that big muffaletta and yeah. a giant hurricane That's from my the, plan. the slushy going, machine. I'm going to a restaurant called Pesh, which is a, a very... Yeah, uh, a French for peach. <laughs> it is... It is fantastic. I've been there once before. Really? And I hope it lives up because I swear, bang for my buck, it's the best meal I've ever had. Because is, it's, is, it's not super fancy. Ah, but it's super good. It's super good. Like, yeah. ho- like a homemade pastas and breads and, uh, and oh. fresh seafood. And so I'm very. I mean, they, they, they don't, you know, they call it fat city for a reason. <laughs> I call it gout city. For me, because when I right, leave, right, of course, guaranteed to happen. Is uh, do you know if uh, our Emerald uh, Lagasse's restaurant is it still a big deal down there? Nola, right, in those places. I, so I don't know because we're post, we're like you know post pandemic world in Nola, so I don't yeah. know exactly what works and what I doesn't wonder. anymore. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know that New Orleans is quite strict about the vaccine uh, passport to get in. To You're play. kidding me. Yes, and I think that's surprising in the south. So, Yes. Yeah, so I was a little surprised too. I mean, different cities do different things. Sure. I didn't realize this. And I, I think it's in preparation to keep numbers as low as possible. Their attempt to keep oh, things as seen before, as possible uh, before Mardi Gras, because they're going to have yeah. all these people come in. And then obviously there will be people drunken in close quarters. Although I'm wondering like how to <laughs> showing your Vax passport when you're super drunk at a Mardi Gras event. Yes. Gonna be yes. Like, how is, how is that going to work also? Um, you know, I mean, again, Fat Tuesday is less than a month away. I would be more concerned about other infections <laughs> than, than, than COVID going down, you know, I'm for not, spring break. Really? Yikes. I'm not sure the mask and vax is going to prevent that transmission. That particular I, transmission. Yes, yes. I, You know what I really like is I believe it's Frenchman Street. So it's off. It's, it's in the quarter, but it's away from bourbon. Bourbon is insane, you know, and messy and gross. And there's this yeah, that's constant. A that's a different a, stage of life than I'm in. Yes, that's right. And I've done that. And I've done that. And there's some interesting clubs along the way in bars. But uh, but Frenchman Street is a little bit more staid. And I hope you get a chance to have a, a, a fried oyster pool boy or something like that. I will. I will seek out all the food. I already. Uh, um. I. I. We had a breakfast when we first came in. We got off the plane to the hotel, and I said, "Let's let's yes. seek out breakfast." Uh, that's so excited with me. And but oh. There must. I need a clarification. Clarification. Oh, clarification. Demanded. Yes. What happened? Oh <laughs> right. Oh, from last week. And he's like, I sound like a big jerk because it sounds like I ditched my baby and you to run through the airport. Steve has a different security process than the rest of us do. So sometimes he takes the baby with him, and we learned the lesson that perhaps that's the way to go. And I just take the bags. In this case, he took the bags, and I took the baby. And I ended up sprinting with the baby, but he did not ditch me. Just so everyone's clear on that. That's he that's would a, never do such a thing. That's Maybe something would, that, that's something I that I would do. I, I would do that, <laughs> by the way. So don't, assume, but don't assume that of Steve. 
if I would not stop talking, he would certainly walk several feet in front of me. And that's happened. But, but yeah. understandable. I talk a lot. <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. I, 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 I'm, I'm familiar with the territory, but I, I do hope you enjoy your, your time down there. Oh, and go to, oh, oh, go to the oh. Roosevelt. Go to the Roosevelt Hotel and get a Sazerac. Oh, I'm right. That's where it is. And I believe that's where it was invented. I think. Okay. And, and I believe that's also the bar where somebody shot at Huey Wall. I could be mistaken too. Is it, was it really? The Earl of Louisiana. So, yeah, check it out. So I, uh, oh, wait, hold on. Yes. I have to tell this Louisiana story. Please. One time I came down here to have, oh, it's about to get real bougie. I came down here to meet with, uh, with the governor, Bobby Jindal. When governor Bobby oh, Jindal. yes. yes. This is many years ago. Uh-huh. And I invi- I got invited to the governor's mansion for for a small dinner with some people who you know care about Bobby Jindal and what he's yeah. trying to do in Louisiana. So I come I fly down, I fly to New Orleans for a night because I figured it's close to Baton Rouge and like <laughs> why not? And I stay here the night before. That's fine, but I'm looking for a rental car and there are none. And I'm like that can't be right. That can't be right. This is sort of earlier internet days, and I just yes. thought there's oh. some kind of glitch on the on the website, yeah. and I'll just mm-hmm. get to New Orleans and then I'll get a, a car when I get there. Yeah. Oh. So I get there, and um, famously, famous planner Mary Catherine Ham, I get there. There indeed are no cars, and I'm stuck in New Orleans. Oh my! And gosh. I need to get down to Baton Rouge. So I was like, "Do you have anything?" I went to all the rental car places, mm-hmm. and Hertz had a giant. 15 passenger van like a church van <laughs> situation and i said give it to me i'm you taking did. it to the governor's house oh. so i got in my van I, I i cruised down to uh to baton rouge in my uh cruise to baton rouge in my giant van and then i parked it outside the governor's ranch <laughs> did you pick up some church members along the way no the thing is though it looked like it looked like a terrorist van. Like, why oh. is this thing here? It's mostly, it, it had some blocked wind. It looked like yeah. a utility van. Almost. Oh, that's suspicious. Um, and I, I, I called in to the security ahead of time and said, hey, I didn't plan well, so I'm coming in a terrorist van, but please let me in to see the governor. And they did. So I made it. You could fit a lot of surveillance in those vans. That's the thing. Look good. Roll could. in there they, like that. They even let me park right outside uh so it was a happy ending what was yeah. that yeah what did not go well for me was breakfast the other morning which is uh i ordered grits and um grits are great in new orleans yeah. so you can yeah. count on them right but they yeah. came with like a they came with a topping of melted cheese oh sure normally i just butter my grits i'm not a cheesy grits You're not a cheese. person first uh-huh. and foremost but it had a nice little cap of butter on the top and it had been sort of a little bit broiled and melted on the top as a result you could not tell how hot they were so when i unbeknownst to me when the spoon went through there some steam came out and i should have known i should have known vic already then but i was too excited about the perfect grits and i just burnt my mouth all up oh what you got like the roof the roof is the worst yeah the roof a little bit the throat and i was like am i gonna spit it out in the restaurant am i gonna do that and I didn't. I went for the water and I, uh, I saved myself from great injury. It is amazing how when you're hungry enough and you you fully know you're conscious. I'm about to yeah. I could be about to burn my I do this if I'm testing a sauce or something. I know it's I can't wait. I All can't right, here wait. we go. 
and then that's it. Your palate, it's it's burnt. You, you just ruined your palate for like the next day. Yeah, so, no, no, no. So, and of course, I'm in New Orleans, so I want to eat all the things. I did, I did, I spared myself from major injury, but I did have to uh, speak publicly that night, and I was like, please mm. let my mouth work, and it, it did. You have one. You so you're you're there for one more night. Uh, yes, and uh, okay, so we're going out to dinner tonight, and then we'll have more food tomorrow. Get yourself a Sazerac, trust me. Very okay, nice. I will. I will do that. Speaking of burns, uh, <laughs> a conservative Jewish oh. minister, uh, MP in Canada had some words for Justin Trudeau this week. Her name is Melissa Lantzman. She is of the opposition party. She's talking about, of course, the the Emergencies Act that was yes. uh, imposed upon the country by Prime Minister Trudeau in response to protests in Canada and uh, Canadian just, crackdown. Right. And so and so here she is. Uh, here she is chatting with with the prime minister in their House of Commons. And I do enjoy this process, by the way. It's so fun when they yell at each other. Here is Melissa Lansman. Mystic, hopeful vision for public life isn't a naive dream. It could be a powerful force for change. If Canadians are to trust their government, their government needs to trust Canadians. Those are the words of the Prime Minister in 2015. These people, very often misogynistic, racist, women haters, science deniers, the fringe. Same Prime Minister six years later as he fans the flames of an unjustified national emergency. So, Mr. Speaker, when did the Prime Minister lose his way when did it happen right honorable prime minister so here's trudeau he has words conservative party members can stand with people who wave swastikas they can stand with people who wave uh, the confederate flag we will choose to stand with canadians who deserve to be able to get to their jobs who be able to get their lives back these illegal protests need to stop and they will mr speaker and then he sits down and flips his hair, which is a, that's yeah, a move. great move. Uh, Lansman is uh, Jewish. And so she says, I think the prime minister should think long and hard. This is on Twitter about his own history before singling out a Jewish member of parliament and falsely accusing me of standing with a swastika. What a disgraceful statement unbecoming of anyone in public office. He owes me an apology. She asked for an apology in the house of commons, but the, the prime minister had already left at that point. This is weak sauce, man. It's just, <laughs> It's just so lazy. I said the same thing. Why? Why does he say that? Why does he just say, oh, those people, swastikas, I rest my case because it's easy. Yes. It's the easy thing to do. Why? I mean, why bother trying to, you know, delve deeper and understand what their problems are and their mindset and why are they upset about how this thing is being handled? And the thing is, I understand uh, that there are a lot of people that are upset with the situation now with the truckers and with the shutting things down and you know, uh, and we certainly hate when the other side does things like this uh, yes. to bring, you know, a city to a standstill and it goes too far. Um, but, you know, to just basically, you know, you, you label somebody as a fascist or you, you call them a, a Nazi or again, swastikas, it's the easy way out. And yeah. there is a middle path that could have been taken, a middle road that could have been taken uh, to handle this crisis. Uh, we we missed that road a long time ago. Yeah, well, and it's all tricky, right? Because you want pe- you want these people to have. Well, I do. Sure. <laughs> I don't know that Justin Trudeau does. You want folks, even if they disagree with you, to have the right to uh, to vent, to redress their grievances. I don't know what the phrases they use in Canada, but in free countries, you want them to be able to do this. You also want people in these cities to be able to to move freely as well. Although it's interesting that governments that have had us on lockdown for two years are now like. 
you must not impede the movement of goods and business. Really, guys? Really? No, we're the only ones who are allowed to do that. That's right. That's right. That's right. So the Emergencies Act has been invoked. I feel like there were police powers that you can use for the illegal parts of this that you don't need an Emergencies Act for. I am not a, I am not an expert in Canadian law. (laughs) (laughs) However, I am in favor of free people being able to gather. Uh, And I think this is going to do a lot to to scare people off of that. And that's not great. So they will debate this in uh, the House of Commons this week uh, because you have to debate it within seven days of the of the government doing it. Uh, Any action that the government takes, such as, for instance, we mentioned last time, freezing funds in a bank if they think you're related to these uh, to these uh, protesters. You can appeal those. I don't know how that how successful that's going to be. That's why we keep these powers from the government to begin with. But in addition to that, we've taken we've taken a new step, Vic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, my favorite, the media. Oh, sure. Yes. It's a multi pronged attack. <laughs> Woo! So the media again. What I would ask is that the media not run oppo campaigns on behalf of the government against those with which it disagrees. And then run PR campaigns for those with whom it agrees. Mm -hmm. I think that is a bad way to do reporting. (laughs) So there was a story in the Ottawa Citizen uh, that set off a whole whole firestorm. There were journalists tweeting about it. The headline is, Threats Close Stella Luna Gelato Cafe After Owner's Name Appears in Give, Send, Go Data Leak. Real quick. GoFundMe was the source for donating to the Canadian yeah. troopers and the convoy for a while. They said, basically, we're going to steal that money. You're not, we're not going to give it out to these folks anymore. They sort of backtracked on that and they will give it. It will be dispersed. Mm-hmm. But the the fund, now people now suspicious of GoFundMe went to Give, Send, Go, which is an American Christian crowdsourcing or crowdfunding uh, site. And they promised, you know, we'll keep this, we'll keep this from being seized, right? That site was hacked by people yeah. who don't like the truckers. So now the names and the amounts that people gave of the donors are all out on the internets. And yeah. the the media has seen fit to report on some of these folks, one of whom owns a gelato place and gave $250 and now is being threatened to the point that she had to close the shop. But strangely, it doesn't seem like the threats to her are the story. The story is that she gave this donation oh, yeah. and now she needs to pay for it. She needs to be shamed. Right. Uh, and that's the thing. You know, this, this poor woman now, she's going to have to set up a uh, GoFundMe page in order to people to help her. But it's like this again. It's just like this three part approach. One is the actual physical crackdown to physically remove these people. The second part is the financial shutdown. And anybody who's, you know, uh, connected to this, that, you know, you can have your accounts frozen one way or another, or companies that are connected to this will have, you know, your accounts frozen and, and, and you are basically frozen out. And the third part is to just out them, you know, I mean, it, it's sort of, you know, while we're at it, we can have this woman, you know, stand in the town square with a big sign, right. you know, saying that I, I was wrong to support the truckers. Well, and now she's, she's repenting saying i i definitely shouldn't have done this i didn't know what this would become not enough it'll never be enough if yeah. she apologizes well, and here here's the tell about what the real story is here 
is that the the reporter says the reporter fact checks her on whether she's oh. repenting or not. <laughs> You've got to be kidding me. Says the the woman made made her February fifth donation on the second week of the demonstration when Ottawa police were describing it as quote volatile and dangerous. So the, the reporter is saying you did know already because the timeline suggests. I mean. So this requires a follow-up apology to the apology. Is that what they want? Uh, I this is really something. I, I think it requires, you know, running her out of the public square, which is which is what is the result of doing business this way. The Washington yeah. Post is also tracking down people. Uh there was who gave a, money. Yeah, there was one one uh podcast host who had a had an email leaked to him from somebody who gave forty dollars. Uh, and the Washington Post, you know, a national newspaper wanted to get in touch with somebody who gave $40 to this. And I just think there's not a lot of public interest in that story. Like what, no. who, what public interest are you serving by doing? Well, I'd say, I'd say for their readers, there's definitely an interest because, you know, they're all fired up and let's go after every single one of these people, whether it be a guy who donates a couple Jacksons or somebody who donates more. It's, it's, it's really it's quite shocking. It is a bad, bad way to do business. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. but that's the whole point. The cruelty is the point, right? Well, and you can do. There's there's tons of ethical reporting that you can do with leaked or hacked material, right? Yeah. I don't, I don't think that's an issue in and of itself. Although Twitter says that if things are hacked and they don't like them, mm -hmm. they're banned from Twitter. But if they they're hacked and they like them, they'll keep them on Twitter. So there's the different different right. rules for different, different folks. Rules. Um, I have a little. You love to hear it. Oh, oh, yeah. From, from none other than Ilhan Omar, representative with whom <laughs> I very, very rarely agree. She tweets the story from the Ottawa Citizen and says, I fail to see why any journalist felt the need to report on a shop owner making such an insignificant donation rather than to get them harassed. It's unconscionable and journalists need to be better. Need to do better. Yeah, in general... It yeah. Don't do this. Don't do this to people. Don't do this to regular people. It is really quite something when, and you mentioned this on Twitter, when you and Ilan Omar agree on something, it must be really awful. I mean, I feel like that we're all oh, really amazing. Yeah. <laughs> like the, you might've taken a wrong turn if yeah. Ilan Omar and I agree. And what it comes down to is I would like regular people mm -hmm. to feel free to engage in civic yeah. discussion, in donating to, in donating to people. Right. Which brings me to another story. Oh, it's going to shock you, Vic. It's going to shock <laughs> you. This one is this one's treated differently. So have you been following the story of the attempted assassination of a mayoral candidate? In yes. Local, in local is, yes. Yes. Yes, I have. That's the a free hum beacon. Ooh, that's a humdinger. If I, if I had written that one, you'd think I was just a winger liar. That's right. It's too Spreading perfect, your lies. Right? Conspiracy. So in this in this situation, thank goodness uh, he did not succeed. A gun control Black Lives Matter activist who had appeared on Joy Reid's show on MSNBC and yes. been published as a gun control activist in the local Louisville paper um, was arrested for the as attempted assassination of one of the mayoral candidates. His last name is Greenberg in Louisville. That in and of itself uh, is quite a story. And strangely, not, not uh, 
wall-to-wall coverage of that. I was about to ask how, how, how much are people talking about this in his connection? I basically an MSNBC guest panelist, yeah. somebody that was supported as a, a, a great paragon of, you know, <clears throat> gun control and whatnot. Now in a situation of a, accused of attempting to uh, murder a mayoral a Democrat, no less. I know it's, it's so strange, so strange, Vic. But we're not having a national conversation about political violence this. Oh week. no, no, not yeah, for this. Not for this. Nope. I would say the one of the the weirdest uh, details of the story is how the shooter only grazed his sweater. Now yeah. I'm not sure how far he was. Now, and and keep in mind, I'm a terrible shot. Right. Like you know, if you know, people have nothing to worry about me with firearms. Don't okay. worry, I'm going to miss. But uh, the uh, in this case, he grazed his sweater which I, I, is the weirdest thing I've heard since like, it's like Pulp Fiction, yeah. you know, where they, the, the guy comes out with a hand cannon and completely misses them, you know, miraculously just hits them all behind them. So I, I, I'm not really sure about uh, the, the logistics uh, that were involved in this, in, in this thing. I mean, fortunately for uh, Greenberg that, you know, that was all that happened, but there is a lot going on to the story that we still have yet to find out. Uh, yeah. Certainly motive. I mean, this guy is, was a pretty far, left uh, uh, candidate, as far as I understand. And so what is the connection or no connection? What's the reason why he did this? I'd like to know. To, you know what? For me, it validates my quest to wear more sweaters. Oh, yeah. The sweater protected him. It would have protected you. It was very thick. I'm sure it was very like, thick. It's, it's like cold. when you have a lighter in your breast pocket. Yes. You always hear about that. Yeah. Sweater saved him. That's right. Uh, no, like I'm a glad. Bible. But here, here's the interesting thing. Uh, Vic and, yes. and you know, it's not being treated the same way as oh. the Give Send Go fund. Really, um, the the local Louisville chapter of Black Lives Matter, of course, raised a ton of money from donors. They used that money to pay the bail of the suspected assassin. Oh, great! So he's out now. So he's out. They paid a hundred thousand dollars. This is covered in local news. Local news. They took cashier's check and got him out. I know, it's so strange. So strange. It's yeah. so strange. But the Washington Post does not appear to be trying to find each donor who oh, gave no. Black Lives Matter in Louisville $100 to yeah. ask them whether they could um, justify this spending. That's right. That's right. Why, why would they want to find it out? But it's a good thing that the Beacon is digging into this. Yes. So. The, Beacon, the Beacon is there. Yeah. To report on what uh yeah. what BLM and Louisville is doing. But Stay is- tuned. It's it's free beacon and getting hammered investigates. <laughs> to to me, if the press is only doing this to one side and only publicly shaming mm-hmm. the donors of one side, that makes the speech, the political speech and donations are speech, less free than the other side because they know they will pay consequences. They know if it gets hacked, it will be blasted everywhere. Um, and that they will they will end up in a Washington Post story potentially for yeah. giving forty dollars yeah, to a trucker. That's, right. that's, that's it's right. ridiculous. It's yeah. an, it, to me it is quite obviously intimidation if you're not doing it to both sides equally. And by the way, I don't think you should do it to either side. That's right. I don't think it serves the public interest. No, and, and, and while at the same time wondering why you know society's become so divisive. I know, language. So strange. That's my. <laughs> How does that? Why? I, we'll look in. We'll look into that. By the way, so and so gave forty bucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's 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 um let's get a camera in his yeah. or her face and That's make right. sure they have to answer for this 
the civic right. involvement. That's right. Speaking of but, civic involvement, you're going to say. Yeah. <laughs> no, here's the, this is the thing. The people, the people are done with being called racist or what have uh -huh. you. They're, they're, done every, they're done with everything. Especially parents. Yes. Oh, yes. The, the parents. It's happening. The parents have found their voice, Vic. They've found their voice even in San Francisco. Oh, yes, of course. In San Francisco, San Francisco parents, mm -hmm. families who choose to live in one of the uh, uh, most expensive cities with rising crime and homelessness, yep. they've had enough? Because this had is one of my recurring questions. Here's the thing. You can, you can go too woke for San Francisco families, it turns yeah. out. And here's the thing. There's... So in San Francisco, three school board members were recalled in by overwhelming margin. Yeah, it wasn't like a close one. 75-25. Gabriel, yeah. Gabriela Lopez, Allison Collins, and I don't know how to say his first name. It starts with an F. Maliga. Now, the sort of liberal establishment, including London Breed, had kind of been on board with this. Yes. So that changed the tide for something like a recall, which is not exactly easy to pull off, mm -hmm. to something that became a more mainstream thing here's the thing people are arguing about is this woke policies like changing school names and crt and some of the lgbtq stuff or is it schools being closed or is it just a hyper local san francisco yeah. issue here's what i think in all of these school board fights mm -hmm. people get real mad it started with the not going to school yeah that was the beginning of the avalanche <laughs> Yeah, uh, these, that these folks find themselves standing in the way of, because when you closed schools, you made a lot of parents pay attention to what you were doing. Yeah, think about this. There's a silver lining. Yeah, and so they they're all they all get engaged because they're like, I feel like you guys should be working on getting these kids back in school. They were not working on that in a place like San Francisco, and it happened in Northern Virginia too. What instead, were they working on? Instead, they went to work renaming schools. Which, even if you agree with it as a parent, when your child is not in said school, you're not that interested in that issue, right? Yeah. So they did it in, in Fairfax and Alexandria as well. The schools yeah. had to be renamed while the children were not inside the, the walls. <laughs> so that's so, the priority. Like that was the priority. In San Francisco, they did the same thing in Northern Virginia. It's all, it's all similar, yeah. similar moves here yeah. by the, the school boards. They changed the merit based high school to not merit-based anymore. The, the very large and, and successful uh, academically Asian population of San Francisco uh, considered this attack specifically on them. Yeah. Uh, frankly. And, that, and they're a sizable populace of yes. that area. Yes. yes. So, so they got engaged. Mm -hmm. uh, there were also some old racist tweets from one of, against the Asian mm -hmm. population from one of the school board members. Yes. Uh, and each of these things adds to the idea to parents that, hey, I don't think you guys know what you're doing. And That's I right. don't think you're first and foremost interested in serving my kid. Now, that does not mean this is a giant conservative victory, right? People are like, ha ha, like, like San Francisco, you still, still San Francisco. You silly conservatives, like they're not going to make San Francisco schools into what you right. want. Fine. I don't care. I want the schools to be what the parents of San Francisco would like them to be. And I would yep. like them to function and have kids in them. Mm -hmm. And they have demanded that. Well, here's the other thing too. 
in terms of the renaming of the schools, it wasn't like, you know, these were schools named after, we're not talking Jefferson Davis, right? You know, with David Duke or whoever. We're talking about George Washington mm-hmm. and Abraham Lincoln. Certainly if there was a Thomas Abraham Jefferson, Lincoln. forget it. Abraham Lincoln. That was and, yeah. And Dianne Feinstein, who is still the sitting uh, California, senior senator from California. That's amazing. So that's what you have your time. That's what you spend your time doing. And it's it, it's encouraging that to know that these parents have had enough. Now, again, as you said, you know, to temper these expectations, this does not mean there's going to be a California red wave. Although, I mean, it would be impressive, but a lot of other things have to work out in order for that to happen. But, you know, one step at a time, certainly uh, the mood is is there. And you knew these school board members were doomed when, again, as you mentioned, Mayor London Breed, uh, had turned on them about, yeah. you know, and, quote, doing they need to do their job. Oh, yeah. but she's telling well, you that it's bad news. Yeah. London Breed, part of her part of her statement afterwards was basically like, hey, if you're not doing the basics, people are going to get mad at you. Mm-hmm. That's yes. right. Uh There was a fun, uh, a fun detail from the uh, San Francisco Chronicle covering this. Uh, David Thompson, who calls himself Gabraham Lincoln, was uh, <laughs> he was he was part of the recall effort and he's dressed in head to toe rainbow and he says he was there dressed that way for this reason we wanted to show the diversity of the community behind this recall oh, okay. I knew they I knew they were gonna say oh it isn't it just a bunch of Republicans and I'm like do I look like a Republican this good for him uh, first of all fantastic second of all this to me is the 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 real issue for Democrats which is if standing up for your kids at school board meetings is identified solely with Republicans, that is a real bad look for you. Yeah. That's a the, real bad look for you. And he's responding to the idea that, yes, right. speaking up for your kids is a Republican Trumpy thing to do. Mm-hmm. That ain't good. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. the people who want to stick up for their kids look to someone like Glenn Youngkin and yeah. say, maybe yeah. I can pull the lever for him. That's right. And, uh, First of all, I, I thought I was the only one with the uh, rainbow suit, but I guess there's two of us now. <laughs> the, 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 the second thing is, if they're going to continue down this road and, you know, hold the line and maintain the same message and just say, oh, it's a bunch of crazy Republicans. This thing, a thing that and I know you've heard this and I've heard this, which is, oh, this is just a, a, a ginned up right wing talking point. You know, there is no crisis, whether it be masks, whether it be critical race theory, it's just made up. By, or, or a mental crisis that the kids are going through with that. No, that's just all made up right-wing talking points. Keep that up and then you'll see what happens as everyone says yeah. in, in November. But speaking of oh. Glenn Youngkin. No one cared who I was till I put on the mask. Yes, so Glenn Youngkin announced uh, this week a, a, a bill passed both the House and Senate in Virginia uh, telling local districts, look, you got to give parents a choice on the masks. You'll remember that he issued a choice, a choice. What we said yesterday is that if parents want their children to wear a mask, then they should absolutely be able to do so. And if they think the best thing for their child is not to wear a mask, then they should be able to make that decision as well. It was a big day for parents, a big day for kids and a big day for Virginia yesterday. He issued an executive order saying as much as soon as he became the governor Several seven to nine uh, school districts sued to keep their mandates. Mm-hmm. They were fighting that fight in the courts, but in instead of going all the way through the courts, the a Democrat led led the legislative charge to That's say, right. "We'll do you one better. We'll give you some legislation." Uh, so they get it through the House and the Senate. They add an emergency 
clause to it, which means it can be enacted March 1st. The fun thing about the emergency clause, by the way, yes, the rule change in the Virginia legislature that uh, allowed a, a simple majority to make an emergency adjustment. They did this when they were having fun with all the emergency rulings for the pandemic, but they didn't yeah. anticipate that like maybe Youngkin could use it. It would be used uh, against them. So Youngkin uses it to say, well, we need an emergency clause on this because we got to get it in, enacted by March 1st. So March 1st, there will be choice on this issue for all parents yeah. in the state of Virginia, uh, even Loudoun County. Announced, yeah, well, if it's Loudoun, yeah, that's a big deal. Yeah, well, they announced that they're going to go February 22nd. Uh, and I think even that was not good enough for some parents. Oh, <laughs> I thought it was like now. I think it was happening now. Yeah, they, uh, February yeah. 22nd, some parents went to a judge and were like, this needs to be immediate. <laughs> so they're still fighting them. Parents have found their voices. You're not going to shut them up. No, uh, yeah. Yeah, Fairfax went into a meeting, presumably to oh. figure out how to use more of my money to sue uh, yes. things that they'll lose. Everybody, whoever. Uh, <laughs> Arlington Public Schools, we also got a notice uh, the other day from the superintendent that they're having a meeting today, Thursday, to discuss, uh, quote, new developments. There you the new go. developments in, 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 the, in the masking situation, which tells me it's at, they're trying to, okay, they're trying to figure out how can we continue to flout the law? How can we yeah. continue not just to defy the governor, but now the, uh, the, the state assembly and just never go into this option of masks optional because it must be required. You go to that, go to, you know, it, it, it's so, you know, infuriating and you, you go on Twitter, you go to APSVA on Twitter the Arlington Public Schools, and there's a, you know, it's a picture of a kid who I guess is smiling, but you can't, you know, all you see is his yeah. eyes, and it's this wonderful celebration, and they're having this, they're, they're, they're talking about the summer schedule coming up, it's a virtual meeting, all, everything is virtual. Uh, I was out this morning, went for a run, and the weather was nice here, it was about 52 degrees in the morning, and I happened to run by around the time that parents were taking their kids to the bus stop, and there was a mom with like three very little kids, all in masks outside and, and yeah, because this is because, the, you know, some people might argue this is the new norm. This was my line in the sand, the whole pandemic. Yeah. I'm not masking outside. Yeah. I'm not asking my, I never, I don't think I did. And uh, by the way, the, uh, the LA health department, it's in its great wisdom has, has at long last said that children could, could, could maybe be unmasked outdoors at school. Uh, outdoors. It might be LA. Safe. Wait for it, though. L.A. school district officials say, nah, we're not unmasking. <laughs> Even with the L.A. health department is like, OK, we could probably do this outside now. <gasps> well, this is the thing. This is like what's going on around here in our neck of the woods up here in northern Virginia. Even if everybody tells them, whether it be the health experts, whether it be the government, they're still going to find a way to say we, we not not that, you know, masks should be just, you know, for your kid, but for every kid. I mean, and it's the, the option is the option is we it. want everyone to have it. Yeah, right. That's if you right. wish to do it, have at it. But yeah. we have reached a new portion of the program. And this portion of the program, people are going to have choices about their own risk analysis. We'll we'll see. We'll we'll keep you yeah. posted. I mean, this is yeah. uh, again, this it's is nuts. The, the 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 mask in the school board is just a symbol of the political tides of the entire year. That's that right. have been that, by the way, has been building. Yeah. Like, 
you know, some some electoral waves, they build for two years, right? This one's been building behind a dam for two years yeah. because people didn't have a lot of outlets no, because of the pandemic. Not. Yeah. So I think I think the, the San Francisco thing freaks some people out a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. If it happens there, who knows? Maybe I'm not going to hold my breath. Could happen around here. But we'll see. <laughs> we shouldn't hold our breath. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we should because we never wear masks. So. I agree. Sorry, that's, no, that's how you do. I'm, I'm, I'm good at that. So, you know, but uh, obviously there are a lot of people who, you know, want, are, I think it's perfectly fine to have kids. Uh, dance. Just a, a brief update from our, uh, our friend Rochelle, Rochelle, Rochelle at the CDC. <laughs> um, this is a good example, by the way, of leaked information that is in the public interest. Our friend Robbie Suave at Reason Magazine uh, got leaked audio from a CDC meeting with uh, with congressional members. Uh, of several public health officials talking through this. And it says, uh, he says, the Centers, Centers for Disease Control and Prevention have no plans to change their recommendation that all U.S. schools require students to wear masks. According to audio recording of a closed door House Energy and Commerce Committee briefing, Ooh. the CD provi- CDC provides guidance. Director Rochelle Walensky can be heard saying on the recording, our guidance currently is that masking should happen in all schools right now. She goes on to sort of say, and I feel Why? like this is a little gaslighty. Mm-hmm. She goes on to say that like, hey, I mean, localities could always make different decisions. And it's like, come on. <laughs> like, yeah, that's, the, that's the big cop out. Yeah, it is. So anyway, there seems to be no plan right now, but I'm glad, I'm glad that she's getting tough questions. The tough questions were coming behind closed doors, mm-hmm. but even from some Democrats, this is a Democrat from California saying, uh, you hear the word confusion over and over again, but here's another one for you, masking. You know where I live in the Bay Area, the p- peninsula in the heart of Silicon Valley? Schools, cities, towns, counties, you're saying one thing, they're doing something else. This is a highly educated area. Uh, and just saying that, like, you are, you are leading to the confusion. Yeah. Yeah. It says, it says, I think it's confusing. And I do think that it puts a dent in CDC credibility. Credibility is everything in this. Who are you going to pay attention to? So, I mean, it goes to that. And I think it's troubling. So this is a, a Democrat from California. And she's yeah. correct. She's correct. Well, they know what's coming. Yeah. That's why they can, but they can't convince that uh, they can't convince Rochelle from Melinda Minsk uh, to, uh, to uh, make a change. Then, then, then there's nothing they can do about it. Well, and, and Fauci was out there today on TV saying, like, I saw that it's still very risky. It's still yeah. very risky. So it's, it's safe in the, so it's so it's safe. It's safe at the Super Bowl, but it's not safe in schools for kids because the recovery rate is 99. And that has been this edition of your. Your daily mask update. With- That's right. But there was also that horrible column that we were discussing. Oh, yes. Uh, yes. I forgot. This is, oh, gosh. Guys, guys. This is, second, far- this is seconding. Yeah. So this is a column mm-hmm. uh, from Robin of Kerry. And she says, this is how the mask ma- mandate is going in our house. On Monday, the sixth grader who wore her surgical mask all day at school, including when she ran a mile in P.E., came home and plopped on the couch to start her Mandarin homework. You can take off your mask now, I said. I don't want to, she said. It's so comfortable. This is not unusual. She's better at following public health directives than most adults I know. The best part is the throwaway line about the Mandarin homework. (laughs) You know what I have to say to that? I say, fang pei. Sorry, for those of you who understand, that was really rude. So anyway, uh, 
that's really bad because, and I wish, I wish that I did not get a chance to see the comment section because I'd like to hope that a majority of people would say this is really bad as opposed to this is the new norm and it's wonderful. And, oh, you're right. You know, the adults are the babies here. We should never look at people's faces ever again. No, it, to me, it is crazy to treat this as, this as if it is just a super easy thing. Again, if it were super easy, why didn't they do it at the Super Bowl? Right. Nobody was doing it. They all, they all had the chance to do it. Mm-hmm. And yet it's treated like if, you're, if your child deigns to have an issue with wearing a mask for six or seven mm-hmm. hours a day, that, that they're being petulant and that adults are being petulant. No, off-ramps are how adults do policy. Things yeah. are different now. And I would suggest that your children don't always tell you about all the things that bother them yeah. about something like, I don't know, running a mile in a, in a mask. Yeah. I will say this though. If she, if, if in fact that, you know, she does, you know, prefer having a mask on at all hours. And I believe the, the, the other key line in that story is where the, the girl says, I, it makes me feel safe. Right. Well then mission accomplished. You have now created the security blanket of a mask because now they're afraid of catching a cold because of the mask, even though they're young, they're vaccinated. They, they shouldn't yeah, be worrying about this. Yeah, presumably she's vaccinated as well. She's 11. So she, she, she's oh, easily. A, sure. Absolutely. Um, Five to 11. So presumably she's vaccinated as well. And here's, I do think there's a moment in here that she thinks is an own. The writer thinks is an own for the person asking mm-hmm. the question, but I think it's actually a model for how this is going to go in the future. Uh, a, so in a more politically conservative area, a, a maskless guy who they were visiting looked at this yes. young girl and said, can I ask you a question? Why are you wearing that mask? She says it makes me feel safe. He just shrugged. Okay. Yeah. Okay, that's good. Okay, we're, we're fine then. <laughs> <laughs> like, that, that's actually not a terrible interaction, and it's one that we're all going to be... Wait, you mean because he didn't say get out of my store no it wasn't you know, like get out of here with your mask no like right fine respect her choices i i do not think it's a great idea to tell children that they should be scared because they really shouldn't and i don't think that's i don't think that's again just- again we've been on this earth for you know i don't know a couple million years or whatnot and now this is the moment when you know several decades after landing on the moon we are going to now from this moment on, you know, wear masks and kids will not see people's faces for a majority of the day. And, and that somehow is going to be okay. And again, her saying, it makes me feel safe, tells me that we have failed them. Yeah, it's, so, it's not great. No. But we will, but by the way, Harvard put out some study based on a model saying it's not, it's, the, the model says it's not safe to take off the masks from children in schools. And I'm like, you know, there's like real life, going on where people right now i know where they're not wearing masks and it, go there yes Don't i hear this is, i hear this is becoming a popular thing in europe okay <laughs> getting of everything that's it um to, to close today we do have some yes. uh some sad news about a delightful man we lost pj oh, oh yeah this week that's right and uh that one came as a shock i he seems sort of perpetually useful. Uh, so uh, he was mind, perpetually smoking. May he rest no, in peace. <laughs> in, in my mind, he was just like this yeah. young spry man. I didn't know him personally, which I think so, I were sort of ships in the night. I never, I never knew him, uh, but he was a, a hero because my mission is to do politics and occasionally be funny and sure. not be a blowhard. Yeah. And there aren't that many people who pull it off and PJ yeah. certainly did. Uh, yeah, that's right. Uh, I've known PJ since uh, the 90s. Uh, we lived in the same 
apartment building for 10 years. And so uh, I was in 906 and he was in 801. And so we would always cross paths and sometimes drink together and lunches together or dinners over, over many years. And, and, and I became good friends with him through our friend, Andy Ferguson, who, who really, you know, lost a good friend uh, yesterday or the other day when PJ died. He, he was always a smoker. He liked the cigarillos, which he says, and I like them too, because, you know, anyone ever gives you a fat cigar, you're like, oh, I'm going to be here for the next hour. Cause you know, somebody gives you one, you don't want to waste it, you know? So then you got to get it all the way down to the nub and by then, you know, your, your head spinning. So, you know, cigarillo nice in and out. He always, he always preferred them. He had a little case for them and I enjoyed sharing them with him as well. Um, I'm uh, going to be talking about uh, PJ along with uh, Jonathan last and Sonny bunch a little bit more at length. Uh, when we tape the, the sub beacon, uh, when you're listening to this, it's up now. So if you subscribe to Patreon, you'll get to hear our reminiscences of PJ. I, I will say he looked young because he had that boyish haircut. Yes. You know, that's one thing he was also, you know, I shouldn't give away too much. You'll have to just tune in today. Yeah. You know, he, yeah. I, yeah I, just I, a little bit though. But I, 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 I would just say, uh, he put a lot of work into his work. Whenever you read something, this is a general rule, and I tell this to uh, uh, young writers all the time or aspiring journalists. If you ever read something that is both enjoyable, light, and easy, it takes a lot of work for right. something to be light and easy. Most of us on a first draft, it's all gobbledygook, mm -hmm. uh, and you have to refine it over and over again. And when you see uh, the ease with which uh, PJ wrote, it's because it took, a, I mean, the way it reads, the ease with which it reads is not the same as the ease with which it wrote, because you have to put so much work and the reporting uh, details into that. Yeah. Uh, so much of his work is worth revisiting several times over because yes. it's so fun to read. Yeah. And I, I just loved the idea. Uh, and it's something that I try to do. I loved the idea of being a total cynic about government and politics, which is what you should be, yeah. but an optimist about life. Those two That's things it. together. Uh, I think can can make you better at observing mm -hmm. politics yeah. and not taking everything to heart and not taking yourself too seriously. So uh, just from afar, I was uh, an admirer and uh, no, that's exactly my right. best to his family and friends. That's right. There are a lot of people out there who are uh, outwardly really nice and funny. And then when you get to know them, they turn out to be real jerks. You know, and it's like and and and, and I'm and, right and, here, Vic. Oh, sorry. <clears throat> certain people I do shows with, but, uh, and there were other people like PJ who had that sort of a vicious wit, you know, he'd go after people and, but personally was just the nicest guy. He blurb, he, he's the front of my blurb of my uh, vodka book. So, uh, that, that, that helped me sell at least, you know, a thousand books. Okay. That wraps up another edition of getting hammered. Remember you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Google play and stitcher. Please tell your friends and you can follow me on Twitter at Victorina Mattis. I am Mary Catherine ham. I'm at MK hammer on Twitter at MK hammer time on both Substack and Instagram. Follow me in either of those places. Thanks for being here. This is a nebulous media podcast.